Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew 12. We are thrilled that you're here today to worship the Lord. We should not take that blessing for granted, as John stated earlier. We shouldn't take for granted that we have the privilege to come together. For many in the world would long for what we have. And we shouldn't take for granted the blessing of help that we have that allows us to come together. We are such a blessed people. And we give God all glory and praise. In Matthew chapter 12, we want to look today at verses 33 through 37. The Bible says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree evil and its fruit evil or bad. For the tree is known by its fruits, you offspring of vipers. How are you able, how you being evil, able to speak good? For the mouth speaks out of what that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that men, people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, we're going to come back to this. But I want you, as we look at this text, to be intimately aware of the context. What's been going on? What we studied last week, you remember, that there is a person brought to Jesus who is demon-possessed. He is mute. He is blind. Jesus casts the demon out of him. He is able to speak. He is able to see. Some in the crowd began to say, this could not be the son of David, could he? The Pharisees said he only does these miracles by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus says, that's ridiculous. If Satan cast out Satan, how, do his king, how does his kingdom stand? And if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the finger of God, or I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come. Of that context, I want you to remember. But we'll explore that later. Right now, let's see that the words they speak are no accident. The words that are spoken in accusation to Jesus are not accidental, but they reveal someone's character. First of all, Jesus, when he discusses this subject of speech, talks about who we are. He will use two illustrations. He will use the illustration of a tree and its fruit. He will use the illustration of a storeroom, a storehouse, or a treasury. And he says of the tree, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. What we say is a revelation of who we are. In Genesis 1, Genesis 1, the Bible says over and over, according to his kind or according to its kind. 
kind. The first time that is said is in Genesis 1 verse 11 when the trees are producing fruit according to their kind. A tree produces the kind of fruit that that tree is. That is not a well-worded statement. But you get the idea. You get the idea. It's hard to distinguish in our backyard in Florida an orange tree from a tangerine tree. But I knew when their fruit came in which was which. We produce according to our kind. Make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is shown by its fruits and known by its fruits. And Jesus says, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. That is stated, that basic idea, three times in Matthew. Each time it is dealing with the Pharisees, or in Matthew 3, to the Pharisees and Sadducees. But he says, you bunch of snakes. Now, I want you to think, in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. A serpent there, a picture of Satan, according to Revelation 12 and verse 9, they have accused Jesus of casting out demons by Satan. He says, you brood of vipers, it is they who are controlled by Satan, is not Jesus. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks of that which fills the heart. You see, attached to cars sometimes, let me tell you about my grandchildren or things similar to that. They want to talk about the things that their heart is filled with. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man... Out of the good treasury, out of his good treasure, brings forth what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. The word justify and condemn can be used in the sense of being found innocent or being found guilty. And our words will confirm the judgment of who we are. It is not stating we can earn justification by good words. But it is stating that our words reveal who we are. And judgment is an ever-present line of thought in these chapters in Matthew. 
In Matthew 10 and verse 5, Matthew 10 and verse 15, excuse me, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He spoke of Tyre and Sidon being present at the judgment in 11.22 and 11.24. And in 12.41 and 12.42, he talks of the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south being present at judgment. Jesus wants to call our attention to the fact that there will be a final judgment day in which we will all answer before Him. And we will all give an account before Him. And He doesn't want us to lose sight of that. Now, I want us to be clear what the purpose of this passage isn't, as well as what it is. When the Bible says in Matthew 12 verse 36, that every careless word is the rendering of the New American Standard Bible. Every careless word that we speak will give an account for in the day of judgment. This word is only used a couple of other times in the Gospel of Matthew. It's used in Matthew 20 and verse 3 and verse 6. For those who are idle. But the, the passage is not condemning what we might describe as small talk. As we are trying to get to know someone and trying to find out some ground that we have in common. We may throw out several different subjects and we may say some things that we know are meaningless. That the other person knows is meaningless. But we're trying to make some kind of of connection, to find some ground on which we can talk. This is not about that. When the Bible tells us that every careless word that we speak will give an account for on the day of judgment. And the text is not denying that we can get forgiveness for careless words. After all, look at the context. Look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. In verse 32, whoever speaks against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. The point of the text is not to deny forgiveness. I recognize that we also dealt with last week. A blasphemy, a sin that would not be forgiven. But here he is talking about speech, about things people say that can be forgiven. The Bible says in many ways, we, we, we all offend in many ways. And if anyone does not offend in speech, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. James 3 verse 2, a rough paraphrase of that. But the point that I'm trying to make, if there was no forgiveness for foolish things we said, we would all be in desperate condition. And the point of this text is not to deny that we can change who we are. As a matter of fact, it seems to be implied in verse 33 
that if we want to change what we say, we must change the kind of tree that we are. It's not denying that we can change. It's not saying that you're always going to be evil if you're evil presently. Or you're always going to be good if you're good presently. It's simply telling us that the fruit will correspond to the kind of tree we are. And that if we want to change our words, if we ultimately want to clean up our speech... We must change who we are. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Now those are some things that are not being emphasized. But what is being emphasized in this text? What we say reveals who we are. Did you notice that verse 33 sounded similar to something we've heard before in Matthew? Look at Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 And verse 15 beginning, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves or ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so then you will know them by your fruits. Our words reveal who we are. And in that context, notice that it started with beware of false teachers. It's strange to me that he talks about false teachers and then goes into this explanation. But their deficiencies of character will reveal themselves in what they say, in what they teach. It will reveal themselves in the fruit that they bear. And what we think about and what we dream about and what is important to us will inevitably be revealed in what we say. And what does our word say about us. Now, if you're talking about the subject of the tongue, there's a passage that comes to our attention in the New Testament, and that's James 3, that I'm sure your mind, the mind of some of you has already gone there in Matthew 3, James 3. You didn't drink from that, Luke, did you? Okay. Just making sure. Verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. 
For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, that though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot Desires. The point of verses 3 and 4 is here are small things that control big things. The bit in the horse's mouth may control this powerful animal. The rudder in a ship may control this enormous ship. And so in verse 5, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Verses 7 and 8. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Just think about that just a moment. People can go to the circus. And they can see people who are able to tame life. Or you can go to SeaWorld and see people who have tamed whales. And we can tame enormous creatures, but we can't control our tongue. Verse 9 illustrates. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men. Who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives and a vine produce figs? Neither can a salt tree produce fresh. James has quite a bit to say about the tongue. In James 1.26, he said, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. He talked about controlling our tongue and our, and our religion is worthless without it. In 4.11, he says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother and judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But, but James 3 verses 1 through 12 is the longest discussion on the tongue in the New Testament. 
And certainly, what we are dealing with this morning in controlling our tongue is no small subject. But what do your words reveal about you? Now, what I'm about to say, I have seen on both sides. I have seen this both ways. I can remember a day meeting another student when I was in the 10th grade at school by having the opportunity to be at a lunch table that he was at. His language was terrible. Subject matter was crude. In a few months as I was going around preaching at small churches in that county, there he was on the pew. Startled to see him. Not quite as startled as he was to see me. <laughs> In that case, the tree wasn't changed. Because I had meetings at that church over the years and he's not been back to the for that. But I've also seen the other side of that. I've also seen the other side. That I went to little churches around and preached in places. And, and I saw someone from school and I said, I didn't know they were a Christian. But it makes perfect sense in the way they behold, the way they behave themselves and what they say. It makes perfect sense. Now, what do people say? When they see us. Would your fellow students be surprised? Would your fellow workers be surprised? Or would they say, that's what I thought. I thought there was something different about you. Now I know. That trying to guard every word is a difficult process. As Matthew 12, 36 says, Every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it on the day of judgment. There are other passages in the New Testament that may go even beyond that. Remember what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says? We are destroying speculation in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive, whether it be every word, whether it be every thought, we are to submit them all to Jesus. Now, in light of James 3, is that an impossible task? I want you to remember something. As God spoke to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as He spoke to Israel in Deuteronomy 6, He said in verses 20 through 25 that everything He said to them, 
everything he spoke to them was for their good. Not only was it right and true because he said it, but it was also for their good. If that was true of the law that God reveals through Moses to Israel, is it less true of what Jesus says to us in the New Testament? And can it be in the process of us making the tree good and seeking to bring every thought in captivity to Christ and guarding every word that comes out of our mouth, could it be that that very process makes us more conscious of God and helps conform us and shape us into the likeness of God? And helps us to turn this tongue, which can be a destructive weapon, the only time the word hell is used outside, Gehenna, is used outside of the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament is James 3, 6, to talk about the damage a tongue can do. And through this process of us seeking to bring every thought captive to Christ and guarding every word that comes out of our mouth, we become more conscious of God and are conformed to His image. Some of the Psalms we've been studying recently deal with how the tongue can be a destructive weapon. In Psalm 57 verse 4, sons of men whose teeth are as spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. That's Psalm 57 verse 4. Psalm 59 verse 7, which Lord willing will cover Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night. Swords are in their lips. In Psalm 64 verse 3, he sharpened their tongue like an arrow. They aim bitter speech as an arrow. The point is the tongue is compared to spears and the tongue is compared to arrows. But as we seek to bring every thought and every word into submission to Jesus... Our tongue can become an instrument of peace. Our tongue can become an instrument of healing. Listen to these three passages from Proverbs. Proverbs 12 and verse 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Psalm 15 verse 4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. A tree of life, the book of Proverbs uses that expression quite often. As it harks back to Genesis 3 and the tree of life that gives life. And a soothing tongue is a tree of life. If you tame your tongue by the mercy of God so that you can say the right word at the right time, your tongue can give life and strength to people who are broken. In Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue 
And those who love it eat its fruit. Now that passage says death is in the in the in the tongue. But so is life. So is life. And my guess is that you can, as well as I can, think of time when we were broken, when we were discouraged, when we thought maybe all hope was lost. And someone said the right thing at the right time to keep us going. What do our words reveal about us? Because what we say reveals who we are. But I want to particularly tie this to the context. And I want to tell you, there is nothing you say that shows more of who you are what you say about God. And that is the context of this. The reason the Pharisees, the reason they have said bad things is because the tree is bad. The reason that they have made false accusations is because they are bringing out of the storehouse of evil. The reason why they have charged Jesus of casting out demons by the devil is because they are speaking out of what fills their heart. They have made false accusations against Jesus. They are maligning God. And that shows who they are. And there is nothing that shows who we are more than what we say about God. Some in the crowd saw Jesus' miracle and said, this cannot be the son of David. Others say, he's only casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. The reason they say that foolish thing is because they are foolish. Because they are evil. And they are guilty of blasphemy against the spirit that verse 31 and 32 talks about the bible says in exodus 20 in verse 7 you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain and we have discussed before that jewish people did not state the name yahweh because they were so fearful of taking it in vain they never said it at all we don't know if that's the problem correct pronunciation and scribes who were writing the law who were copying when they came to his name they washed it they washed their hands before they wrote it and they wrote it and they washed it What do the words that we use about God show about our attitude toward Him? I imagine on that day, on that day of judgment that verse 36 talks about, 
I can imagine that people may say, Oh Lord, you did not reveal yourself to me. And I can imagine God saying, You knew plenty about me. You took my name in vain every day. For us, what I worry about more than that is maybe the absence of God's name in our spirit. We live in a society that tells us to keep our faith quiet. Oh, you can talk about what you do in your bedroom. But don't talk about your faith. I would encourage us to look for ways to put God in our conversation. To help other people be conscious of Him too. Maybe a way to do it instead of just saying have a good day at a casual encounter to say God bless you. And sometimes people will pick up on that and ask questions. Maybe when discussing our plans we should do as James 4 says and says if the Lord wills we'll live. And do this or that. But no speech reveals who we are more than what we say about God. And may his name always be sacred upon our lips. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, you are holy and awesome. Our words cannot describe, articulate how glorious you are. For the one that spoke the heavens into existence is the one to whom we come in prayer. We bow before you, O God, claiming that we are nothing, that you are everything, that you give us all our strength, you give us all our sustenance, you bless us with every good thing. Oh Lord, forgive us for those times that we have said foolish things, sinful things, 
that have broken the spirits of others instead of strengthened their spirits. And it was our fault. Forgive us of those moments. We are thankful for the forgiveness and the mercy that you show us. But we pray, Lord, that we might conform every thought and every word to your will. That you might use our tongues as an instrument of blessing. And even when we must speak truth in difficult situations, may you guide us, may you direct us, even if it will be misinterpreted. And O oh Lord, we pray that you might be constantly on our minds and our lives. And we pray that among us here today, that we will never take your name in vain. May our speech reflect the reverence in which we hold you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Maybe it be the discussion of this subject that makes you conscious of your need for God, of makes you conscious of your need of His forgiveness. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins and was rose again, we ask you to confess Him before men, acknowledging who He is. Confess Him, acknowledge your faith, be baptized for remission of sins as we stand and sing.